Philippians chapter 4, and let's begin reading with verse number 10, and uh, say a word about uh, verse 5 through 9. That is a wonderful, wonderful scripture, God's cure for worry, and that's another message, but uh, that is one of my favorite scriptures, verse 5 through 9. But we'll begin with verse 10, and he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every uh, saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God and for another opportunity to preach your word. Thank you, Lord, for... Uh, each one that's come this way tonight, and I pray that you'd work in our midst by the power of the Spirit of God. Lord, use this service for your glory, and may you be honored uh, in the service, and we'll thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Okay, I, I want to bring a message from verse 13 primarily tonight, where he says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We have this word all used several places in these verses. We have it in this verse, and we'll be saying more about that. And then verse 18, he said, But I have all and abound. So the need was met. Uh, God took care of his servant, as he always does. And then verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, this, we preached on that this morning. And then verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So I guess it's all right to say you all, isn't it? Someone said Paul was a southerner because he said you all. Well, uh, of course, a, a real southerner you says y'all. You know, they just kind of put it all together. And, and uh, but... Uh, uh, here we have uh, this great truth in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now the world says I can do all things. I mentioned this I think last week, that uh, 
uh, the modern psychology and psychiatry says you just have to believe in yourself and love yourself and, and uh, you can do anything. If you just believe you can, then you can do anything. Well, that's only partly right. I believe you ought to have confidence in yourself and, and uh, all that is important. But that's not the whole story. He said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And there's a whole lot of difference, you know. Uh, now, we like to look at this about three or four things tonight by the help of the Lord. We notice the confidence. I can. Uh, this is, is a picture of faith. Uh, in uh, Mark 9, 23, he says, All things are possible to him that believeth. So faith is important. Getting your prayers answered. Faith is, is very important. The Bible uh, has a great deal to say about that. Jesus said a great deal about it. Uh, and so faith. Uh, faith, is, uh, faith is not just believing, but it's believing, it's believing that God can do it through you. And that's the difference, you know. People say, well, if you just believe. Well, the faith must have an anchor. And so uh, here it's important to believe. Now, Dr. Curtis Hudson said, if you think you can, you're right. If you don't think you can, you're right again. Because a great deal depends upon what you believe. Now, if God said it, you can believe it. We're not to be presumptuous. Presumption is to presume on God. And there's a whole lot of things being said that God didn't say. A lot of things being said from the pulpit God didn't say. And so if the Lord said it, then you can believe it. Now that's faith. Uh, it's just like uh, salvation. Faith is necessary for salvation. But it's not just believing anything. It's believing the truth. It's believing Christ. It's trusting Him for salvation. And so we must have confidence. Uh, of course, Norman Vincent Peale, you know, his uh, philosophy, the power of positive thinking. And uh, he made a lot of money and sold a lot of books, uh, the power of positive thinking. Well, uh, you know, again, I think, I think uh, positive thinking is important. It's better than negative thinking. And I, I see a lot of negative, negativism in, in the world. Uh, but uh, that alone is not sufficient. It's not just positive thinking, but it's faith in Christ. And that's the key, and that's the difference. I can do all things. I can. That's faith. I can do it. But it must be through Christ. Now we come to the second thing, and we have, we have uh, the commission. I can do. I can. That's faith. I can do. And uh, I'd like for us to look at this in the book of James. If you'll turn there, please. James chapter 1. Book of James chapter 1. And uh, verse 22. James 1 and verse 22. He says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if, any may, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth 
what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Well, this is pretty plain language here. Uh, the Bible says when we hear the word of God, we ought to obey it. It isn't enough to come to church and hear the word of God preached or taught and go out and do not be any different. We are to obey the word of God. And one, I guess, the most frustrating things in being a pastor over these a number of years now is, uh, is uh, you preach the word of God and, and many times uh, people hear it and they say, I, I, I like to preach it, but their lives never change. Uh, you know, the Lord, if it's the word of God and, and the Lord is, is our Savior and he's our Lord and he, he is our Lord, uh, then uh, we have a responsibility to obey what he says. Uh, you know, when, when my kids were, were younger and uh, when they did something wrong and I told them not to do that anymore, I, I told them what to do, I expected it to be done. And if they didn't do it, they suffered the consequences. And uh, likewise, you know, it's one thing to know the truth and it's another thing not to know the truth, but once we know the truth, we have a responsibility to obey the truth. Uh, and uh, if, if I don't obey it, then there are consequences to my disobedience. That is a, a biblical principle. God has a law of sowing and reaping. Uh, you know, uh, some people, they believe in certain aspects of, of, of the Lord and uh, certain things about the Lord, but, you know, you can't pick and choose. It's kind of like one fellow said to B.R. Lakin, said, I believe the Bible in spots. He said, well, I don't know where the spots are. I just believe it all or none. <laughs> and I agree with that, uh, uh, That uh, you know. I, I mean, I, I believe it's all the Word of God. And uh, it's all in there for a purpose. Even the Chronicles, <laughs> some of those chapters, they're all important. And uh, they're not in there to fill up space, but all that's necessary. The genealogy in Matthew and Luke. I, I used to read through that and... I couldn't pronounce half those names and, and wondered what, how important that was. But, you know, as I've studied, I've come to realize the importance of those chapters. Those chapters are very important. And, and all the Bible's important. But uh, we are to obey the Word of God. And when the Word of God is like a mirror, the law of God is like a mirror that reveals our need, our condition. And when that condition is revealed, uh, we're to admit our wrong. And that word confess in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That basically means that I say the same thing God says about it. I agree with the Lord. When I hear the word of God, I read the word of God, and the word of God exposes Something in my life, I'm to agree with God and say, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. And that don't belong in my life. I admit it. I confess it. And, uh, and by the grace of God, I'll get rid of that in my life. Now, that's how we're responding to the Word of God. But I don't see that. 
You know, people hear the word of God and they go out and they're unchanged. And either they, they don't agree with God or, or they may agree with God but be unwilling to do anything about it. And uh, we ought to be willing. We ought to be doers of the word. And the Bible said if we're just here, if we just hear the word of God and don't do it, then we deceive our own selves. We are deceived. And it gives the illustration here of this man looking in the glass in a mirror. He beholdeth himself and goeth this way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. If I misshave it today, my wife says, you look bad. I don't have to look in the mirror. I just have to listen to her. She don't like, you know, the hair on my face. <laughs> and uh, uh, so uh, the mirror, but I look in the mirror. What if I went this morning, looked in the mirror, and my mirror, the mirror said, you need to shave. But I didn't shave. I didn't do anything about it. I come to church, you say, boy, you know, you look, you look bad. Why didn't you shave today? I say, well, the mirror told me, you know, I ought to shave, but... Uh, uh, you know, I realize it. I looked in the mirror. But the mirror's not going to shave me. Uh, you know, that's the, the law of God. Talking about the, the law of God. That's what the law, the law of God was a mirror. The law of God exposed man's need. But the law of God was weak through the flesh. No, oh, nothing, the law is good and holy. Nothing wrong with the law. The problem was with man's ability to obey the law. But you see, the indwelling Spirit of God gives us that ability. The law exposes our, our wrong, our need, and the Holy Spirit of God, the power of the Holy Spirit of God gives us the ability to change. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And, uh, of course, he said, if we look into the perfect law of liberty, we look into the Word of God, and we continue... We continue therein, he be not a forgetful here, but do the work this man should be blessed in his deeds. Now there's faithfulness. You know, God wants us to be faithful. He wants us to live right every day. He wants to live right every year. Ten years from now, he wants to still be living for God. I think of, I think of the people that's come through this church. People that said, I'm, I got saved and, and God saved me and I, I'm going to live for Jesus. And they lived for Jesus a while and now you can't find them. God said when you look in the Word of God, you ought to forget about it. You ought, you ought to continue. You ought to just stay with it. Stay with it. Be faithful. I may not be able to preach as well as someone else, but I can be just as faithful as anybody. And, and I want to be faithful to Jesus comes. You know, I'm too, too near the finish line to give up now. And I like that story and always think about it when I talk about faithfulness, about, uh, about the Boston, I think it's the Boston Marathon. And, and I'm always amazed at those fellows that can run for miles. I, uh, you know, that, uh, I, I can't comprehend that. Uh, you know, I do well to run to the door back there. But, uh, I mean, those fellows that run, those long endurance races, and they say this particular marathon, where they, maybe it's 20-some mile long, I don't know, but, but they run all those miles. And you can imagine of course, the conditioning that is necessary to be able to do that. But be that as it may, uh, you know, when, the, when they've run all those miles, their body is crying out to stop and rest. 
And they say just before the finish line, there is a long hill. And their body, they come to that hill and their bodies are tired and worn and no doubt they feel like giving up, but they keep pressing on. And the reason is because just beyond that hill is the finish line. <laughs> and I'll tell you, we're about to the finish line. If you're going to quit, you ought to quit a long time ago. Don't quit now. <laughs> we're just about, we're about to the end. We're about home. This thing's about over. Just stay with it. Stay in there. And don't quit. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 24, he uses the comparison of the two houses here. Before that, he talks about to those that are deceived. Not everyone's going to get to heaven that says they're going. Uh, those that uh, say, Lord, Lord. Verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. This is a very familiar illustration. The Lord gives of the two houses. Both of them are built, both of them are built uh, the same, but one falls, one stands the storm, and one doesn't. And the, the determining factor is the foundation. One's built on the rock, and the other's built on the sand. And that is a, a truth that, that has been around since the beginning. Uh, that is that you build a house on a rock. You say, my house, where do you find a rock big enough to build a house on? Well, anybody that builds a house, the first thing you have to do is, is dig a footing and pour cement, make rock. You've got to put rock in that footing and build that house. You've got to build that house on a rock or you've got problems. Now, in the old days, the house I grew up in, when they built it, they, uh, they uh, and the foundation, uh, you know, the uh, floor joists and all, beams, they, uh, they set some, some places, they just set a post there and put it on a rock. And others, they had, had big rocks, they, you know, they put under there. And, uh, but over time, over time, there was some, un, you know, some unleveling in that floor. So the foundation is the most important part, and that foundation is Christ, the Bible tells us. But he said, if we hear the word of God and we don't do it, then we're building on a wrong foundation. And, uh, you know, I think one of the determining factors between the truth and, and error, I believe when God saves you, it changes your life. I'm, we're not saved by works. But James deals with that subject, you know, and, and James too, we didn't go on into that. A man is justified by works. Of course, he's not talking about our justification before God, I don't believe, uh, because he, uh, Paul says in Romans, a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. No contradiction. One, I believe, is talking about our standing before God, the other, and our standing before men. But I also believe that true believers, that salvation in the heart makes a difference in the life. If you're saved, you're going to be different. If it's, oh, I'm saved, I have Jesus. But their life's no different in the world. 
There's something wrong. Either they're wrong or the Bible's wrong, and I know the Bible isn't wrong. And so uh, we are to obey uh, the Word of God. Now, at the judgment seat of Christ, and let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5 for this, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Of course, you know I, I believe in the pure grace of God. You that's heard me preach long know how strongly I believe in God's grace. I believe we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. I believe it's all grace, 100% grace. Uh, but I also believe that we ought to work for Christ, <clears throat> and those works are going to have an effect. People say, well, if you believe, if you believe a man saved by grace and can't ever be lost, then, uh, uh, you know, why live for God? Well, that, uh, you know, there, there we have that here in this Scripture. Look at it in, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5. This blessed Scripture, verse 8, says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Well, I believe that. I believe when you die, you go to heaven if you're saved. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now, why are we laboring for Christ? Not talking about being accepted into heaven, being accepted of him. And he goes on and talks about it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Notice for what purpose? That every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're going to give an account for what we've done, aren't we? Now, everybody at the judgment seat of Christ saved people. But every saved person is going to give an account. You know, there's a certain uh, uh, frightening thing, I guess, about going to court. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's always uh, a, a concern. And, and uh, you know, those judges have a lot of power. And, uh, you know, there are a few good Christian attorneys that I respect, but attorneys overall, I, I, you know, I, how should I say it? I don't have much use for <laughs> I think they're a bunch of crooks. But, uh, you know, again, here I am judging, I guess, but uh, Lord forgive me. But uh, what I see anyway and what I observe, that's my conclusions on that. And uh, David Gibbs is a good Christian attorney and and I think he really loves the Lord and trying to do right. But I think that's the exception rather than the rule from uh, what little, little I've uh, had contact with. But uh, there is a certain, there's a certain concern and frightfulness about that. Well, we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And, uh, you know, lawyers, they're trained and do a lot of study and and uh, they, they, they have ways of trying to, uh, to get to the truth sometimes or sometimes mixing people up and, and uh, making you say things that you, maybe you shouldn't have said and twisting things around to benefit who they're representing. But I want to tell you, if the judgment seat of Christ, there's going to be none of that going on. But there is going to be somebody there, uh, the judge there, is, is going to be one that knows all about us. Boy, when I, ever, when I preach about it, when I think about it, uh, it's an awesome thought. When I think about standing before Jesus Christ, who knows everything I've ever done since God saved me, who knows every word that I've ever spoken, 
You ever said anything you wish you hadn't said? You ever had a conversation you wish you hadn't had? Sure you have. Be honest. You know good and well you've said things you oughtn't have said. And not only that, not only does he know everything I've ever done, he knows every word I've ever said, but he knows every thought, every thought that I've ever entertained in my mind. And the Bible says that's going to come out. And I don't know about you, but that frightens me. And ain't no way I'm going to get out of that. Everyone shall give an account of himself to God. We are going to give an account of what we've done, and we're going to give an account of what we've not done. The story of the pounds, the story of the talents, and the, the accountability of what we ought to have done that we didn't do. We're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Every one, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore, verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciousness. Now I'll tell you, uh, I don't comprehend all that, but he's talking to saved people. Knowing the terror, the terror of the Lord. That tells me the judgment seat of Christ for some people. It is going to be a time of terror, fear, frightfulness, an awesome, an awesome thing of having it stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And it's not over till we give an account. Now, we're saved. We're going to have, the uh, Lord's not going to say, I'll tell you, you didn't do right, and I'm going to take your glorified body from you. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But I believe we'll, uh, 1 Corinthians 3 talks about we'll lose, we can lose rewards. And I can't lose my salvation, but I can lose my reward. And so, this is an awesome thing, this judgment seat of Christ. This is for believers. So when Philippians says, I can do all things, I can, that's faith. I can do. That's, that's what we ought to be doing as saved people. This is a commission to do. The great commission in Matthew, go ye into all the world, you know. Go make disciples. Go get people saved, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I'm with you all the way even to the end of the world. Uh, I was reading a sermon uh, last night, I guess it was. This, uh, this fellow's talking about when he was on an airplane. And uh, he said he, you know, uh, he had a problem staying awake uh, when he got on an airplane. And I think he got on one in California somewhere and, he, and it stopped in Denver and and he slept to Denver and woke up, and, and they let some passengers off, put some more on, and went on their way. And, and this fellow, uh, you know, came in, and uh, I don't know where he came in at the beginning, but uh, he, he, you know, said, uh, you know, should I witness talking to the Lord? Lord, should I really ask, talk to this fellow about the Lord? And, and he struck up a conversation. 
and, and began to inquire if, if this man was saved. And uh, if he was a Christian, he said, he said no, I'm, I'm not a Christian. My wife's a Christian. And he asked him, he said, well, if you wanted to get saved, would you know how to get saved? He said, no, I, I want to know how. First of all, he told him, he said, I'm a scientist. I've, I've been here on business. And, and he was the head scientist for uh, one of the major companies. And uh, he thought of himself. He said, man, how can I witness to a scientist? He said, he won't believe nothing. <laughs> and uh, he was shy about witnessing this fellow. But he began to talk to him. And uh, he, he said, no, I don't, I don't know. My wife's a Christian. I'm not a Christian. But said, no, I don't know how to be saved. He said, well, I can, I can help you with that. I'm a preacher. He told him how to be saved and asked him, said, you know, would you like to receive Christ? He said, yes, I would. And he said, we bowed our head, and he asked the Lord Jesus to forgive him and save him. And he said, everybody, people, anyway, nearby in the plane is looking and listening and uh, uh, but he led that scientist to the Lord, led that man to Jesus. And I thought of how many opportunities we have that we let slip by. Everybody needs the Lord. You know, it matter if they're doctors or scientists or lawyers or who they, everybody needs Jesus. And you'd think a scientist, you'd think a lawyer, you'd think people like that have a lot of education. You'd think they'd know, they'd know how to be saved, but many times they don't. Or they have a perverted view. They don't know what the Bible says about being saved. And we, we, we miss opportunities to witness for him. I remember years ago, Dr. I hadn't made him. And, uh, you know, he knew I was a preacher and, and, uh, and all pastor and, and all that. And, uh, you know, we were talking one day. I went to see him, had something wrong with him. And uh, he said, you know, he said, I believe, I believe the Bible and all that. But uh, he said, you know, for a person to stay in hell forever, said that seems, you know, that... That, that seems pretty, pretty uh, strict judgment. That, that's pretty, pretty tough. And uh, he said, I, I can't understand, uh, you know, why anyone would have to go to hell. I says, well, good news. They don't. <laughs> that's the good news, thank God. I said, nobody has to go. That's the thing. The Lord don't want a person in hell. He died for men. That man could be saved. And, uh, you know, there are many opportunities, and you never know what a word will do. He says, I can. That's faith. I can do. That's the commission. And then the cause, or the commandment. I can do all things. Again, it's not a pick and choose, is it? Uh, I can do all things. You can do anything God wants you to do <laughs> through him. I believe that. People say, I can't, you know. People say, I could never go to the mission field. You can go if God wants you to go. <laughs> if that's God's calling for your life, you can do it. And people have. And people have done many th impossible things with man. And they've listened to God. And sometimes people look at themselves and say, I can't, I can't do anything. You can't if God's in it. That's the, that's the cause, that commandment. I can do all things. And there's something for everybody to do. Everybody ought to be a soul winner. I believe that. I, believe, I, I don't believe that's just for preachers. I believe everybody ought to witness. And that ought to be our main business. And we ought to pray about it. We ought to know how to do it. And I trust everybody here tonight. Could, if, if I asked you tonight, 
If I, if I was lost and I wanted to be saved, could you tell me how? Could you take the Bible and tell me how to be saved? You say, well, I'd call you. <laughs> well, I may not be around. I may be gone, you know. I may be dead. Uh, and uh, uh, could, you, could you do that? You ought to be able to. If you can't do it, you ought to determine... You know, if I never learn anything in my life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to win someone to Jesus. Ain't nothing more important than that. Now, I never say the exact same words ever when I'm, uh, when I'm witnessing to people, but I, I, I follow a basic plan. And I, maybe I need to just mention that right here. Uh, the first thing, the first step is you have to establish the fact that man's a sinner. You're not going to get anyone saved until they realize they need to be saved. And I use Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody's a sinner. <laughs> and, and I may expound on that. I've used different illustrations. I've used the illustration of apple trees. You have one apple tree, and one apple tree has ten bushel apples on it. Another apple tree has a bushel apples. Third apple tree has two scrawny apples. Which one of those trees is an apple tree? And the fact is, they're all apple trees. People say, well, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I don't have nothing to do with it. We're all sinners. And I may use, I, sometimes I use those illustrations like that to make it clear in people's mind. But man is a sinner. Second of all, you've got to establish the penalty of sin. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's the penalty. That's a big price. The price of sin is death. And, and I may go in and explain, uh, it's not only physical death, but it's eternal death in hell. It's this spiritual death, physical death, and the second death, the eternal death. And then, then you have the good news. Man is a sinner. There is a penalty for sin, which is death. But thank God there's good news. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to die because somebody died in your place. Romans 5, 8, But God cometh his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Good news. Somebody took your place. Somebody died your death. And then, then, uh, uh, then I, there's three things I bring out in, in salvation you realize you're a sinner? Yes. You realize that if you died, you'd have to pay the penalty of sin, death, which is hell. You realize that? You believe Jesus died on the cross for you and rose again the third day? Do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. Then for you to, to uh, be saved, there's three things. Number one, there must be repentance, and I explain repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. It's, 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 it's a, an attitude about sin. The Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I don't want to be a sinner any longer. I want rid of it. I want it out of my life. I want to be changed. You know, some people think repentance. The Lord, I, I lied and, and, and I stole, and, uh, and uh, let's see, what else did I do? I've done something else. And, and they think repentance is naming all your Listen, if, if repentance is naming all your sin, then who's saved? Anybody here tonight remember every sin you've ever committed? Repentance is an attitude about sin. And Lord, I don't want to be a sinner any longer. When I realized I was a sinner headed to hell, I didn't want to be that anymore. I wasn't rid of my sin. 
and uh, Luke 13, 3, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Acts 17, 30, God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And I explained repentance then, then second of all is faith. And faith is trust. Rely, I rely upon, I depend upon. I am willing to trust Jesus Christ for my salvation. And I'm able to illustrate it in different ways. And, and uh, uh, as a lot of times I'm sitting on the couch in someone's house, you know, I'll say, it's just like I sit in your couch here and, and, and I'm dependent, I'm relying on this couch to hold me up. I've never seen Jesus. He never spoke to me audibly. But I've staked my whole eternity on him and his ability and willingness to save me. So there must be faith. And third, there must be confession. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if I should confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shout, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Uh, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that's the basic, the basic uh, plan that I use. You can use the book of John. There are other scriptures say the same thing. But that's basically until uh, the Bible says repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And without those things, people are not going to get saved. And so there must be repentance and faith and confession. And I believe, I believe God will save a person. Now, you should know. You should be able to do that. You say, I know all that. That's good. Are you doing anything with it? It's one thing to hear it. Are you doing anything? If you want anybody to Jesus this year, have you even tried? You know, the judgment seat of Christ is going to be something. The Lord's going to say, Did you know? Did you know you know how to be saved? You were saved. I saved you. And that preacher told you how to, how to get someone else saved. Didn't you know that? Didn't you hear it? Yeah, I heard it. Well, did you do anything about it? No, no, I never done anything about it. Did you win anybody to Christ? No. Did you try? No, I never, never even tried. I tell you, that's going to be something. I don't want to face that. <laughs> and sometimes I don't feel like going. Sometimes I wonder why should I go? No one else cares. And... But then I think, Lord, you know, what am I doing it for? Am I doing it for people or am I doing it for you? Where's my motivation? And I, I keep coming back, you know, Lord, you know, what'd you, what'd you tell me when I called you? What'd you, what'd you promise me? What'd you tell me you'd do? You're going to quit now? Well, listen, I'd rather deal with it now and deal with it there. And I'm just, by the help of God, I'm just going to keep plodding on, just keep, keep, keep going. And I don't know how many people I went to Jesus. And listen, I hope I win some. But if I don't win, if I don't win anymore, if, this is, if I don't win anymore between here and heaven, I'm still, I still supposed to do it, still supposed to try it. And so there's the cause, the cause. I can do all things. And then the channel, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can, uh, John 15, 5 says, without me, you can do nothing. 
Without me, you could do nothing. He didn't say you could do something. You know, a lot of times we use the Lord kind of as a crutch. Lord helps those that helps him helps themselves. You heard that, hadn't you? Lord expects you to do everything you can do, and when you've done all you can do, then he'll help you. <laughs> Is that what it says? Is that what the Bible teaches? Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. <laughs> without me, and John 15 deals with bearing fruit. And uh, uh, he said, uh, go ye, he said, oh, Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. The Lord says, uh, you go, I'm going to go with you. And, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes we pray and say, Lord, uh, we want you to go with us. Well, he's already promised to go with me. Uh, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And uh, he's going to be there anywhere I go. I've heard people say, I'll tell you one thing, if you go in the beer joint, the Lord's not going in there with you. Oh, yes, he is. <laughs> he's going to be grieved. The Spirit of God's going to be grieved. But if you're saved, wherever you go, he goes. And we oughtn't to be there, certainly. We oughtn't to go there. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And you know, in this matter of trying to get people saved, I, boy, there have been times when I've gone and I've been so tired and, and actually just think, Lord, I, 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 I don't feel like talking to nobody. I don't feel like going anywhere. I just want to lay down. But if you'll go, you get out there and you get to talking to people and you get new energy, <laughs> and it has to be the Lord that strengthens you. I'll tell you, God this helps you. And I've been so tired and so worn. Sometimes I've been so tired, I think, Lord, I can't preach. I'm too tired to preach. Then I get going. And I forget all about being tired. And I do that when I'm witnessing to people. And uh, I'll tell you, the Lord amazes me. I sometimes the you talk to people and and uh, you know things come up and questions come up and and uh, it's just amazing how the Lord helps you and things maybe you hadn't thought about in months. The Lord helps. Isn't that what He said? The Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. And so I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Let's bow our heads, please.